Uh, so we've been in a series that's called Foolproof. Uh, we've been making our way through the book of Proverbs and looking at some of the different themes that are found there. And uh, Proverbs may be one of the most intensely practical books in all of the Bible. It just directly applies God's truth to all kinds of different life situations. And, and the purpose we've seen in Proverbs is not just to get smarter with head knowledge, it's to grow wiser with understanding how to go about living life as well. And, and that happens as we sort of connect the dots between the choices that we make and the consequences that follow those choices. And, and the hope in, in this book is that we wouldn't have to learn all of life lessons the hard way, right? And you know what that is. That hard way means through, through trial and failure. Uh, we all spend enough time learning enough of life lessons that way, but we don't have to learn all of them that way uh, if we can cultivate hearts that are open and humble and teachable. And uh, in the book of Proverbs, the mouth is a major theme. Um, wisdom means giving consideration to the weight of the words that we speak. A couple of examples, uh, Proverbs 13.3, it puts it this way, whoever guards his mouth preserves his life and he who opens wide his lips comes to ruin. So basically uh, set up a guard, set up a guard around your mouth and it will make a positive impact, not just on your words, but on your entire life. And the alternative to a guarded heart is, a guarded mouth is an unguarded mouth uh, where there's no filter. With whatever I'm thinking, it comes out indiscriminately without considering the, the impact that that makes. And, and that lack of discretion, uh, it's bound to blow things up and it's bound to cause some kind of trouble sooner or later. Another example is Proverbs 17, 28. It tells us that one of the wisest things we can do is to simply say nothing. It says this, even a fool who keeps silent is considered wise. When he closes his lips, he is deemed intelligent. It's, it's almost comical, right? The, the biggest knucklehead in the world can present and look like a genius if he just keeps his big mouth closed. And that's the challenge. Um, Proverbs 10.10 10 says this, When words are many, transgression is not lacking. But he who restrains his lips is prudent. As soon as we start talking, as soon as we open up our mouths, our words expose us um, for better and, and for worse. And so we want to look a little bit at this subject matter. Um, in a little bit more detail of, of, of matters of the mouth. And to do that, I'm going to turn to James chapter 3. If you have a Bible, you can turn there. And it's also uh, right going to be on the screen behind me here. So starting in verse 1, here's what it says in James. It says this, Not many of you should presume to be teachers, my brothers, because you know that we who teach will be judged more strictly. We all stumble in many ways, if anyone is never at fault in what he says, he is a perfect man, able to keep his whole body in check. And so there we see that James is reiterating what Proverbs has already told us, that, that our mouths matter. They matter so much that James is telling uh, the people he's writing to to think twice before presuming a teaching role. Because the words that you speak 
have an impact on the people who hear them, right? Uh, there's, there's, there's no question that our words matter to God. And I guess the question for us is, do our words matter to us as much as they matter to him? So this is calling us uh, to see our speech not just as a secondary peripheral issue, but as a primary concern, one that we pay attention to. You know, it's easy when it comes to matters of the mouth to blow things off, uh, to convince ourselves that, yeah, I said that, but that doesn't really matter all that much. James says no. You know, after, after the Beatles broke up, um, John Lennon relentlessly and insistently would publicly criticize Paul McCartney all the time, just put him down, insult him, tell him how trite his songwriting was. And at one point, John, Paul went to John privately and said, hey, we're friends. Why are you doing that? And his answer was, Paul, it's just me. He, he blew it off. And James is telling us here, don't do that. Don't downplay your speech. Zero in on this. Pay attention to the words that you're speaking. He says, we all stumble in many ways, but the one who has mastery over their mouth, according to James, is, is a perfect man. Now, perfect in this context, it has more to do with the content of our character um, than, than being that person who never does anything wrong. And so the Greek word is telos. And the idea is of finishing something, of, of completing a project. And the reality is God is doing a work in the lives of his people. He is building up the character of Christ within us. And until that work gets finished, we're incomplete. And that means that we're all works in progress. We have this under construction sign set up in our lives. And, and oftentimes, our mouths and our words are one of the last projects that we open the door to let God work on. It's one of the final frontiers. But our mouths matter. And sometimes, you know, we can give up on this area because we all know too well how challenging it can be to manage the mouth, right? Uh, we all try and we all fail, I would imagine, on a regular, on a daily basis. Uh, the situation James is going to tell us here, it's actually worse than we think. That controlling our tongues, it's not just something that's difficult. We're about to read that on a human level, it's actually impossible. So let me keep reading. It says this, when we put bits into the mouths of horses and make them obey us, we can turn the whole animal or take ships as an example. Although they are so large and are driven by strong winds, they are steered by a very small rudder wherever the pilot wants to go. Likewise, the tongue is a small part of the body, but it makes great boasts, considering what a great forest is set on fire by a small spark. The tongue is also a fire, a world of evil among the parts of the body. It corrupts the whole person, sets the whole course of his life on fire, and is itself set on fire by hell. All kinds of animals, birds, reptiles, and creatures of the sea are being tamed and have been tamed by man, but no man can tame the tongue. It is a restless evil full of deadly poison." 
So those are not the most encouraging words to describe our mouths and our tongues. The message that James is getting to us, getting across to us, is that we are outmatched by our mouths. Um, does that come by as, as a surprise to us? Probably, probably not. Uh, this is more like a very honest assessment of the situation, of the reality that we know of on a daily basis. The tongue here is described as a destructive agent that wrecks havoc all around our lives. It's powerful, it's dangerous, and it's out of control. Here's a few ways that he goes about describing it, like a, like a bit in a horse's mouth, like a rudder on a ship. The, the words that we speak, they have a way of steering our lives in a particular direction. Our words shape us, and they shape those around us who are hearing those words in significant ways. And we know that, right? The message is spoken to us by significant people in our lives. Think of like parents, teachers, spouses, friends, or whoever else. Those, those are powerful, right? Words of blessing, words of encouragement that can just fuel our hearts, push us forward in significant ways. And the opposite's true, that, that words of accusation, words of condemnation, those are powerful too. And they, those messages, they can haunt our lives. They can be really hard to break free from and, and get past. So the tongue is powerful, uh, but it's not just powerful, it's, it's dangerous. Uh, you know, we're all taught as kids that saying that sticks and stones may break my bones, but but words can never harm me. And it doesn't take too long to realize that, ah, nice rhyme, but it's a lie. <laughs> it's just not true. Um, the tongue is the original weapon of mass destruction. It's locked, it's loaded, and it's ready to fire at all times. It's the spark, James says, that sets the whole forest on fire. James calls it a uncontainable fire that devastates everything in its path. You know, very few people, I would imagine, set out to burn a forest down. Uh, it typically starts with the smallest little spark, right? Sometimes it's just the soda can lying in the mountain that the sun reflects over it, and, 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 and it sets off this, this flame, and before you know it, it turns into this raging wildfire, and the wake of devastation and destruction is, is just immense. Uh, have you been in that situation? I, I think we all have, right? Something starts out as a simple conversation, no big deal. And in the blink of an eye, before you know it, it has escalated into this all-out war zone, right? We've seen this happen. And it's, it's the words that we speak. They, they, they set the flame. And so think about how much damage words have done, how many relationships, how many marriages, families, churches have been damaged by the spoken word. The ultimate source, James says, is, is hell itself. Uh, he names Satan as the original fire starter. He says his goal is to steal, to kill, and destroy. And he directs his efforts strategically on the words that we speak. Think about that. The enemy of your soul has strategically set his sights on triggering the wrong words 
to come out of your mouth to blow up relationships. He understands, he realizes how much damage the wrong word said at the right moment can do. And so maybe it's more than a coincidence, right, that, that, that things get so volatile when we're tired and we're stressed out and we're irritable and we're overworked. And, 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 and those are the kind of things that's like just pouring gasoline on the kindling wood. And, and then just Satan comes in and he just lights the match and, and tempers flare and, and emotions rage and reason goes out the window and things start exploding. And before you know it, these, these words have come out of our mouths that shouldn't have been said, but they're out there. The damage is done and the hurt is real. The tongue, it's powerful, it's dangerous. But here's the thing, if it could just be handled with care, if it could just be channeled in the right direction, that wouldn't so much be a problem, right? But that's really the ultimate issue. The issue is that our tongues, our mouths, are out of control. And that's exactly what makes it a problem. Unlike the animals of the earth that the Lord created, that Adam had dominion over, the tongue is a wild beast. That's how James describes it, as something that cannot be tamed. Now, we have this puppy dog at home. He's probably like two years old now, and we have spent the past two years trying to tame this dog and it has proven to be a, an impossible task, an impossible task. Don't get me wrong, he's incredibly obedient. I tell him to sit, he sits. I tell him to lie down, he lies down. I tell him to come, he comes. I throw Frisbees, he gets them, he brings them back, he puts them down. He's a lot of fun most of the time, but there's something that sets him off, and, and we don't know what it is. We have invested ridiculous amounts of money trying to figure out how to fix this. Um, and we are no closer than we ever were when this thing started, but he gets anxious. And, and that anxiety causes him to get aggressive without any advance notice. And it only happens when there's people that he doesn't, he's not familiar with who come into our house. So I'm sorry if we haven't invited you over lately. <laughs> There's a reason for that. Um, it has been a big problem. Um, and we've tried so many ways to tame this habit out of him. Uh, we haven't been able to. And that's a little bit like this is the situation with our mouths. The only question is, do we know it, right? This is the reality of what we're up against. So James does tell us here in this passage, doesn't say that the tongue is difficult to tame, so try harder. That, just to clarify, that's not what, this, that's not what we read here. He says, the taming of the tongue, he says it's impossible, that it's beyond human ability, that we are outmatched by our mouths. And again, doesn't that bear out in our daily lives, right? Don't our tongues just keep on betraying us? Why did you say that? Why did that come out? Why? They keep on getting the best of us. And so the take home here, believe it or not, it's not to try harder, it's to give up. It's to give up. Now, that may at first sound really fatalistic, 
uh, because we've already talked about how our mouths matter. And now I'm saying that we can't master our mouths. And so you may be thinking, thanks a lot, Pastor Brian. I appreciate that encouraging word. What am I supposed to do with that? Stay with me. Uh, here's, Here's what it looks like. Uh, We start off by understanding the responsibility we have for our words, and and that responsibility then leads us uh, to humility when we understand that we are outmatched by our mouths. And and that humility drives us to new levels of God dependency. That's, That's how this progression works, because what's impossible with man is possible, but only with God. What's beyond our ability can only happen as we rely on his empowering presence, his strength, and his grace. You see, ultimately, our mouths are in desperate need of new management. That's what it comes down to. We cannot manage our mouths. Uh, On our own, our tongues will always get the best of us. They'll be ticking time bombs waiting to explode. So James says here uh, that they are ready for new management. Here's what it says in verse nine. It says, with the tongue, we praise our Lord and Father, and with it, we curse men who have been made in God's likeness. Out of the same mouth come both praise and cursing. My brothers, this should not be. Can both fresh water and salt water flow from the same spring? My brothers, can a fig tree bear olives or a grapevine bear figs? Neither can a salt spring produce fresh water. So he's talking about this, this inconsistency uh, where there, used, there ought to be uniformity and the message is that only the Lord can reign in our mouths. Uh, that this is something that is born through the inside work of him in our hearts as we surrender to his reign, as we let his streams of living water flow through our hearts, that's when we start to see our mouths transformed from from agents of harm into agents of healing. So here's the good news. The good news is that God is able to do what we can't do. He is strong enough. He can take what's completely wild, what's completely out of control, tame it, and not only tame it, but turn it into something beautiful, to a source of blessing. He changes us from the inside out. And, and here's a snapshot just to finish the passage of, of what it looks like. He says this, who is wise and understanding among you? Let him show it by his good life, by deeds done in the humility that comes from wisdom. But if you harbor bitty, bitter envy and selfish ambition in your hearts, do not boast about it or deny the truth. Such wisdom does not come down from heaven, but is earthly, unspiritual of the devil. For where you have envy and selfish ambition, there you find disorder and every evil practice. But the wisdom that comes from heaven is first of all pure, then peace-loving, considerate, submissive, full of mercy and good fruit, impartial and sincere. Peacemakers who sow in peace raise a harvest of righteousness. And so there's this contrast here between this earthly wisdom set alongside heavenly wisdom. And the byproduct or the harvest that each of those mindsets uh, leads to. And we can either live life in our own power and then live to regret the damage that our tongues do, or 
we can live in this ongoing moment by moment dependence and surrender to the empowering presence of the Holy Spirit who works in, in us to transform us, to turn us from victims of our mouths and our tongues to, to victors. And the essential move is the simple move from self-reliance to God dependence. That's where it all starts, to get beyond just trying harder and living instead in moment-by-moment surrender to the Holy Spirit and his work in our lives, to let him shape us in such a way that we bear his fruit. So you see, ultimately, we don't need more willpower and self-effort. What we need is Holy Spirit inside-out transformation that comes from dependence, simple reliance, and let him do that reshaping work. And so much of that shows up in the way that we talk, uh, the language that we use, and, and the way we see and work through relationships. You see, God doesn't call us to live the Christian life in our own strength and power. If that's the message you've got, Oftentimes, it is, the, it is the message of religion is that we keep on trying harder to earn our way. Um, I wanna invite you to replace that with the message of grace, the message of the gospel, which is not about performing, it's about relying. The Bible tells us that it's actually impossible to live the Christian life in our own strength and power. We will fail, we will fall down, of the time. But as we learn to rely, we learn to walk in victory. And that brings us to this place of getting to where we say, God, I need you desperately right now. I need your presence in my life throughout each and every day because I know how much I blow it all the time. That It's actually what drives us to repent when we do blow it. Instead of making excuses that we just say, ah, I'm sorry, forgive me, I was wrong. And those things lead to to fruit in our lives as the Holy Spirit shapes us into the people that he's making us to be. To bring it to a close, here's the thing is, a consecrated mouth is a beautiful blessing a mouth that's dedicated to being the mouthpiece of Jesus, a vessel, an agent through which Christ would speak his words of life. That's the opportunity that he sets before us, that lives get changed when those precious words of life get spoken. And very likely there is someone in the landscape of your life who's starving for some kind of just simple but supernatural word of blessing, word of encouragement, word of challenge, or even a word of rebuke, whatever it be. God can open up, he can open up the clouds, right? And speak from the sky, right? But that's not how he chooses to work most of the time. Most of the time he chooses to open up the hearts of his children and to manifest his presence through them and to speak through ordinary people like you and like me. And so we get the opportunity to position our lives 
to surrender our mouths to be used in that way. There may be a chance to be used in that way before you even leave the building this morning. There may be someone who needs to hear something that you have to say. There may be a way through which Jesus wants to say something to someone else through you.